The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So good evening. And I'm happy to be here with uh, Bruni Davila, who uh, has been around practicing at IMC for maybe 10 years, maybe, something like that. And um, she's also been one of the managers at uh, our retreat center and a great Dharma practitioner who's now beginning to do a little bit of teaching, a little bit of supporting other people in their practice. And uh, this today she was part of a training program that we, Andrea Fell and I offer here at IMC on um, training people to be Dharma mentors. And today's, one of the topics for today was um, multiculturalism. And, um, and in ha- when we were having this discussion about this in their program today, I thought, well, that would be a nice topic to talk about today, Monday night, and Dharma and multiculturalism. And, uh, and Bruni was there, and I heard that she was going to stay, and, and I thought, why don't we have, ask Bruni to come and do it with me? And uh, she's given some thought to this topic, and I thought it might be nice for us to do it together, partly because I, um, I have a lot of respect for Bruni, and also because um, I don't actually know that much about the topic, and, um, which is probably good. It's probably the best not to know, because it's really good to... Um, have uh, a lot of curiosity about all kinds of multicultural in, uh, issues and uh, multicultural societies we live in, and just be very interested to understand what's going on. And um, f- for this program that we had, uh, we had assigned a reading from a book. And some of you, if you're therapists, m- maybe, hopefully you know about it, it's called Counseling the Culturally Diverse Theory and Practice, fourth edition. And it's a big, heavy, kind of, kind of clinical book. It's kind of the classic book in this field of uh, multicultural counseling and psychotherapy and all the issues that uh, need to be addressed and thought about in this area. And the chapter one begins with uh, this statement. What is multicultural counseling therapy? What is slash therapy? Isn't, quote, good counseling, unquote, good counseling? How applicable are our standards of clinical practice for racial and ethnic minority populations? Is there any difference between counseling a white client and counseling a black client? What we mean, okay, so that's kind of how the the book opens. So I, I rewrote the first few lines of the book. What is multicultural dharma teaching? <laughs> Isn't good dharma teaching applicable to all racial and ethnic minority populations? To all populations. And, um, and this uh, question about the connection of uh, Buddhist practice and culture is one that uh, people have been negotiating probably since the time of the Buddha. And, uh, and it's particularly a very alive topic in our particular insight vipassana communities around the country. It's grown over these last years, and it's more and more concerned and interest in becoming uh, multiculturally aware, <clears throat> aware of the, uh, the variety of issues that come into play when we have a, in a multiracial society, 
in the United States. And so it's been quite nice to see these come up and be thought about. And, um, and it's not without a lot of controversy and concern. It's a lot of opinions about this. And, um, partly because it's a topic which is a lot of controversy in our wider society. And it's a topic which also comes with a lot of suffering in America. And as it has a lot of suffering, um, there are people who don't want to look at the suffering, have opinions about it, who want to deny it, push it away. And there are some people who feel that, you know, that good dharma is you know, culturally independent. It's free of culture and it's the pure dharma, just you know, pure emptiness and, or something. And, um, and we're finally, the, your, the dharma is supposed to take us out of these kinds of problems, kind of raise us up to a higher level of, of great, wonderfully open hearts that can hold everyone in a great compassionate way equally or uh, great open minds that somehow have transcended the our conditioning, our cultural conditionings, and so we can just uh, relate to everyone in an unconditioned, non-cultural way, as everyone is supposed to be equally people. And so we shouldn't look at these things. But I think that, uh, I want to tell you a few things about uh, my experience with this question, this issue over the years of practice. And Bruni and I didn't actually talk about what we would do uh, except I, I asked her and I said, well, I, I said, unless she inter- I said that she could interrupt me. And um, then I forgot, I forgot to say, do you want to start? I was going to say, do you want to start? <laughs> and I already started, but you know, I forgot to ask. <laughs> no, go ahead. It's a difficult position because she didn't know what, really what, what I was going to say. And, but she was just will, willing to kind of you know, play, improvise with me, or jazz, or something. So, um, so we'll see, you know, how this goes, I don't know. So I want to tell you a few things, and then, um, one of the strong things that, so I'm kind of, more or less, in that first generation of, um, of people in the West, who are convert Buddhists in the, this particular wave that started in the 1960s, perhaps. And, um, and uh, I was first uh, uh, in, involved in Buddhism through uh, Zen Buddhism at the San Francisco Zen Center. And at some point, in, the, <clears throat> from in my <clears throat> experience in the 1980s, there started to be a very strong uh, reaction against what people called Japanese culture <clears throat> that was, uh, that was uh, combined with the practice of Zen at the San Francisco Zen Center. And sometimes it was quite clear they were wearing Japanese clothes. And, and their robes were not Japanese robes per se, but they were uh, the, the Zen robes with long flowing sleeves are uh, Chinese court robes that the Ch- uh, Buddhist monks in China adopted for themselves. So, what if Chinese court robes have to do with Buddhism? And here we were, these you know Westerners, you know, walking around with these Chinese court robes, being Zen Buddhist monks and priests, you know, as if this was the the, the, the pure, pure, unadulterated form of Buddhism that, you know, we didn't know any better, but this is what it is, right? It uh, worked very well for me to wear these long flowing black robes and a shaved head when we, um, when this woman was mugged getting off the bus and I chased this guy down the street and he thought I was like this kung fu master. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I weighed 140 pounds and all I had going was the robes and the shaved head and he, he kind of stopped. 
So, so you know, sometimes these things can work to your advantage. <laughs> but at some point in the 1980s, uh, there was a strong reaction to this, and there's a strong movement uh, at Zen Center of many, peop- many, many people to let's separate out Buddhism from Japanese culture, as if we could really separate them. And so, and so they did to some degree. Some people stopped wearing Japanese clothes. They stopped wearing, you know, speaking a lot of Japanese terms. Some of the Japanese ideas of hierarchy and social rela- relationships, how they work. And there's many things that people felt were more Japanese culture than they were Buddhism. But you can't really separate Buddhism from culture. Um, there's like, you can't really separate Buddhism, teaching Buddhism, without having a language. You know, so it's culture and language, just ways people communicate and how they get along with each other and, or not get along, but how they organize themselves. And one of the things that happened, I, I, my kind of uh, analysis of it is that as people dropped the Japanese culture, um, they adopted a different culture. And that different culture for people who were deeply acculturated in American societies, different ways of American culture, uh, were represented those cultures. And so we have, you know, American culture of various t- forms kind of coming together. And, um, and uh, sometimes uh, f- uh, it's invisible to the people who are creating a new form of Buddhism that they have a culture. We think we're culturally free. But there's a culture. It's like here at IMC, um, you know, I think normally when I come in here and or here, I, you know, I don't, you know, I don't think about this being so much a culture. And, um, and I mentioned that to this group of people that knew me well today in this class. And, and it was all kind of done in jest, because I don't take... I, so, so anyway, they said, yes, Gil, you don't see it because you created it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, to some degree, that's true. I was, you know, been building this thing, but uh, I'm very conscious that, that we have a very strong culture, and people who are new coming here for the first time, they probably feel it quite strongly. It's very different than uh, than our popular culture. It's very different than a lot of other groups and organizations and religious uh, centers that people go into, and so the people feel something, but the 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 rules of how you behave in this particular culture. We don't write them out. It's not clear. So some people come in here, what how are you supposed to do? You take off your shoes? Do you not take off your shoes? Um, you know, you're supposed to bow, or you don't buy the guy up front, he bows. Am I supposed to bow? Um, uh, you know, people don't necessarily talk to you when you come in through the door if you're brand new. So uh, is this a culture of kind of people being shy? Or, you know, what, what is it? What's going on? And... Um, and so it can be a little awkward for people who don't, are not familiar with this. What's going on? What's happening here? Who, what is this? What is the cultural norm that's operating here? And then we have uh, people who are already in America who belong to other subcultures in our society or other, not subculture, but full, fully formed cultures and very different, where Buddhism has a very different expression. We have ethnic groups of Buddhism that uh, you have the ethnic temples and the culture is, you know, quite strong. Some of them are seen as cultural centers. And um, <coughs> so I'll say a few more things. Um, when I was in Burma, practicing in Burma, we had a wonder- I had a wonderful teacher who was also very strict. And uh, he, um, one of the wonderful qualities he had 
was he was very inclusive of everyone who came to practice there. And there were people from all over the world, and Burmese themselves, and people from all over the world. And from all I could tell, he was equally inclusive and generous in teaching everyone the same. Everyone could practice there, everyone was taught the same, it was all great. And that was great. However, he was culturally uh, blind. Uh, he had, he, the lens in which he saw people was through uh, very much a Burmese cultural lens, and a particular Burmese Buddhist lens, and he applied the same lens to everybody. And because he was inflexible in the lens that he did, uh, he missed a lot of people. And he gave advice to people that was actually quite detrimental to them. And uh, there were a lot of people who were actually quite harmed practicing that environment. I knew many people who had to come back to the West and do years of psychotherapy because it was so powerful, uh, the, the, the atmosphere, the conditioning that was there. Um, so he was inclusive, but he didn't understand the differences people have. When I practiced in the monastery in Japan, um, there, some of the monks who were there were not very inclusive. And I was told, uh, directly to me, that people said, why are you here practicing Zen in Japan? Uh, you have to be Japanese to understand Zen. It was really limited, you know, that it was such a, it was very particular to Japanese. So like, you know, who are you stepping in here? You can't understand this, you know. I was almost like being pushed away. So, is Buddhism, is enlightenment, is freedom, liberation, does it have anything to do with culture? Uh, how do we live in a culture as a Buddhist community, as Buddhist teachers? How do we understand these issues? How do we, how do we uh, understand them well enough so that we don't cause harm to people, uh, offend people in what we say? It's very easy, you know, to say things that excludes people. Um, my favorite painful example is of a colleague I was teaching with who said, uh, gave a talk about mindfulness, about how it's so easy not to be mindful because when you're doing things, you can get so excited what you're doing, you don't, you know, you're not being mindful at the same time. And she said it this way, she said uh, to the audience, we've all had the experience of eating at an expensive restaurant and having expensive dessert and being so at an animated conversation, we don't taste the dessert. Well, we all have had that experience. We have a society full of poor people who are poor and challenged financially. And I can imagine there was someone there in the audience that heard that. They probably felt a lot of pain. Like, oh, you know, you know what, what about me and my situation? So that's not exactly a, cult, exactly a cultural thing, but it's, uh, it's so easy. So um, how do we take into account? So we're not like the Burmese teacher who didn't take it into account. And what's their proper way of doing it? And, and how do, we, how, do we, how do we relate to our own culture, our Buddhist culture? We have one. How do we relate to it? Uh, I think it's very important not to assume that we're culture-free, but we don't have to give up our culture. But what do, how do we relate to it? And how do we relate to the cultural differences people have? And, and um, I'm, I apologize for you going on and on, but I'll do one more thing and then I'll... <laughs> <laughs> the... Um, the um, One of the things that I find a lot of, uh, uh, very appreciative of, is uh, uh, the de degree to which uh, we are a diver diverse population here at IMC. People come from all over, co many countries and 
many different backgrounds. And I would love to have more diversity here than we have. But we have some, and it's so wonderful. And in seeing the people who come from many different backgrounds, I'm also, people come and talk to me, and I'm aware of, of uh, the, people have different orientations, different understandings, different about how this stuff works. And uh, some people come from uh, cultures and countries where um, they're a little bit disoriented. They have particular ways in which the, the expectation is, cultural expectation of religion, of how people should relate to a teacher, a religious teacher. And, um, and they're a little bit disoriented, a little bit surprised, they're not quite what to do. They come up to me and talk to me and say, what's going on here? Um, for example, if someone interrupts me while I'm talking, you don't interrupt this teacher. They raise their hand, and I have a question. And that's like unheard of in some cultures, you know, and so, so that's, you know, it's kind of seems odd to them and they feel disoriented. So it's so easy to have this kind of thing happen. So what do we do? How do we live in this world? And how do we practice? What does the Dharma have to do with this stuff? Is kind of the question that's behind this, this evening. So, um, one of my cultural um, etiquettes is not to interrupt the teacher. <laughs> so, um, I, I'm very grateful for the opportunity to be here tonight and sharing a, a little bit of, of my experience with this practice and um, what it's been for me. Um, when I started practicing, I, I started because there was something within Buddhism that called me, that it felt so comfortable, it felt home in some ways. And um, when I started going into retreats and going into centers, that feeling of home started changing a little bit. I, I started feeling uh, very isolated, uh, very lonely within the practice. And it, it was very confusing and very puzzling for me because there was such a strong calling and, and love for, for the Dharma. And at the same time, there was tremendous loneliness. And as I continue going to different centers and interacting with different sanghas, I was looking for ways in which, um, for ways that I could share my full experience, the experience of whatever showed up at that moment. An experience of loneliness, an experience of feeling different and not understanding what it, what, what was about, and um, also how to keep things from from my background. How how to keep honoring everything else that was showing up, also in terms of being raised Catholic and um, being a gay woman and. Um, and feeling respect for um, elders, family, 
a collective that held me together when I was not here in this country. So through Buddhism and, and through the practice, I got to a point in which I, 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 started, I started to touch to touch the edges of what it was that brought that isolation and, and loneliness. And it, it was an experience of difference. It was an experience of difference, but it was the fact that I, I was not talking about it. I was not being inclusive in meeting the full experience that was showing up for me at different moments. I was pushing away everything that had to be with difference. And I was bringing it for me, in me, not, you know, not talking about it fully or calling it how it was. How come, I'm, how come everyone is white in this room, let's say? Or how, why they're not in, in, a, in a sangha uh, where the majority uh, were uh, people of color? Why, where are the white people? I, I came here, I'm from Puerto Rico, and um, my cultural heritage comes from uh, the African, the Spaniard, and the indigenous people. And so coming from that mix, it, it was surprising to me to be like in, in a group, in a homogeneous group uh, sometimes. So all that to say that once I was able to meet that suffering, that meeting the experience fully, being inclusive in that way, inclusive in, in acknowledging everything that was showing up from the, the joy of meeting someone else from my country to meeting also someone else that had some insight about sharing with people of other countries or from other backgrounds, to the suffering of feeling my own inner racism, my own inner, inner self-hatred, um, to a point of um, also acknowledging the compassion for my suffering and transforming that and, and feeling the collective grief, feeling the collective, um, feeling a collective holding me in, in that sense, in, in feeling that suffering and me being also part of a collective that was holding other people in seeing whatever experience they had. Um, that's when Buddhism became interesting to me. That's when I started feeling more at home. When everything that was showing up, I was able to call it, to acknowledge it, to say, okay, what else? What else? Um,
I remember one of um, also coming into terms with with um, being here uh, for many years. I moved to the States in 1990 and for a period of time, and it comes and goes, it's less often now, but at some point I just didn't know where I was. I was here or I was at home. Going to Puerto Rico at some point, my parents are going to a store where really you're from here? You don't sound like you're from here. Oh my gosh, I completely lost it. Just feeling, okay, who I am, who, who, who am I in this moment, in, in depending where I was going or, or places where, um, where I was sharing with other, you know, people different from me or people that at some point I felt part of that group and and that now with other experiences in, in my life that now is, you know, it becomes so broader. How do I hold that identity? So at some point I was like this. I, I love this example of the hand of the issue at hand book from Gill. I started like this here. I was inside this hand, closed in a fist, and holding all the different identities, so afraid I was going to lose everything, so afraid, okay, if I'm going to be, just be. How can I be without losing? I'm going to lose everything. Do I have to assimilate completely? Do I have to stop praying that your father at night and not say the precepts. So through the practice and meeting the experience, it just little by little opened. Little by little. And, and everything was here. And here I was, Puerto Rican, Catholic, Buddhist, and sometimes nothing. Sometimes not necessarily needing to identify with one of the identities, just holding everything is so liberating. I just feel so happy and so grateful for this practice. It doesn't mean that some days, you know, I wake up and suddenly I just, <laughs> I'm like this. Um, but it, it, it is through this practice, through going through, how does it feel right now? How is this experience of um, fear or joy or love? How is in the breath? How it is in the body? How it is in the mind? How it is um, around me? That I can be sitting here in front of you right now. <laughs> so... Um, That's, I think that's it. Wonderful, Bernie. Thank you. <coughs> One of the things that I, there's a lot of it, what you said, I appreciate it a lot, but the thing that's. Oh, you know what it is? I think some of these batteries are low.
Think that happens maybe when the batteries are low. Anything is adolescent separation? I don't know at the moment. Have we tried? Can you give me some fresh batteries? And then we'll turn yours off. Okay. present for whatever shows up and not pushing things away or denying things. And just, uh, you know, she didn't talk about fixing anything, did you? We were fixing it. <laughs> You're just being present, showing up for it, right? It showed up for you and you showed up for it. It is too much to start fixing it. You know, it's too, sometimes it's just too overwhelming, right? Some of you might be your first time here. And uh, we all have our differences. We all have our similarities. <clears throat> and um, you know, we all come from some culture or cultures <clears throat> that we have within us. <clears throat> and we come and encounter a community here at IMC. We encounter teachings, a teacher, um, a variety of different things that go on here. And there's a meeting of you and what's here, you and Buddhism, and you and a community, and community and you, and all, you know, all this. So Bruni gives a wonderful example of someone who, uh, you know, found, this, found out the suffering of pushing things away and found that she had to, found, found, found herself at home when she included. So the question for you is, if anyone would like to be part of this, is uh, what would be a good, good things to um, show up for? In the, on this topic, uh, here today, anybody want to? Anyone has their own things they want to? We don't want a long explanation of something, but anything that someone would like to name that would be good to show up for, and just name the way that Bruni named. So we can. I come from um, a Christian background. My name is Noel Christine, and I was born on Christmas Day. And um, <laughs> I married a Jewish person, and I um, I'm here. Just I go to. Ch- I love Christmas. I love Christmas Eve and going to church, and I love going to the synagogue. I love bar mitzvahs. I love every kind of wedding anywhere because. <laughs> And I especially love it here because I really just show up to places where I find the divine, where I find something really that we're participating in that is connecting us and um, lifting us, inspiring us. And I find that when I find it, I go back. And I go back again. And so I'm here so much because I show up really just for that, the divine I'm finding in all of us and tonight and every time I come. Thank you. 
So in order to be whole or complete, what should be included? What should we show up for? What should you show up for? What would be good to name, to recognize? Lately, it's been important for me to show up for sadness. Mm. Thank you. No one else is speaking. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, I'm here for a community. I could be at home doing a guided meditation uh, using a cell phone app. Uh-huh. <laughs> but it's nice to be with other people doing uh-huh. this. Great. It's a community. Martha, if you... I, I also come here for the community. And one of the things that is sort of hooked me here is we're all here sort of struggling with the same thing. The meditation stuff is not easy. And I feel like everybody's here just struggling against whatever they've got in their life and trying to make the meditation work. Mm, Yeah, so what we have in common is our suffering. Thank you. What we have in common is our suffering and hopefully our practice to meet that suffering, not to ignore it. I find that uh, curiosity is a good quality to show up with. Uh, I'm mindful of what I heard as a good definition of agape or God's love, which was to have an overwhelming passion for the other person to be exactly who and what they are in that moment. Mm, nice. And when I bring that quality to any encounter I have, including unpleasant ones or ones that are uncomfortable for me, I find that uh, I, I bring a different quality to that experience. Nice. I'm here to do something different. Sorry? I said, I come here to do something different. Ah. Thank you. In keeping with the theme, I think it's it's challenging to be with all the different feelings that come up for things like the shooting in Ferguson, um, the things that are going on that are sometimes seem as if they're tearing us apart to show up for that. Mm-hmm. That's important. I'm really struck by um, how the, uh, the our inner world is. We could see it as a multicultural group too. You emphasized including everything that comes up, 
And that's what we're talking about, that in the inner sense, if sadness comes up or shyness or, you know, I've been working with just being, showing up for for shyness when it comes up. Um, But I really love what you what you said because it it points us to the inside being the real uh, challenge for including and 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 that the inside and the outside are, are probably mirrors of each other and and that that we can work on both fronts including the outer and the inner. So thank you. I think this is a really interesting question. Um, I think for me, being gay, I think most of my life I've kind of looked for how I've been the outcast. And uh, what I notice is that in my upbringing in early times, in my youth, I walked away from Christianity because of that. And so just this discussion is making me think, well, what if there had been a space for me to be angry What if there had been a space for me to say, what about me? Or a space for me to really express my sadness or my isolation, my feelings of those things? Might I have stayed there? (coughs) And so it makes me think, okay, so if we are going to address multiculturalism, is it about being able to include everyone's perspective? Like, I don't think that's possible. But is it more about being able to actually hear when people are angry or feeling isolated or sad and actually being able to hold that space? Mm-hmm. Yes, thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you for saying and part of the open forum this morning, this, this evening is to give you and other people that chance tonight. Um, noticing when and where uh, I need to set boundaries when things are different than I'd like or uh, maybe somebody's doing something differently than um, than I would do it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, to know one's limits and boundaries, how to take care of oneself. I show up to come home to me. Mm-hmm. Nice. I haven't been here for a while and I was really missing it and um, I realized that um, I show up to really um, now really to be in a totally different environment and experience than what I'm used to spiritually and I've been to some other sanghas recently and I was really drawn to come back here and part of it is the learning and just all everyone sitting together knowing we're all doing the same thing. But um, I do like to show up where there's a component of um, interpersonal interaction. And Thursday, once a month, really draws me. 
and I hate to miss it, and I'll even come if it's late. And part of it is, um, I think I saw her here tonight, there's always a meaningful <coughs> exercise process to go through, and then a deep sharing in addition to meditation, and those three components together are a real draw for me. And I'm really grateful to have that Thursday once a month. I wish it was more often. Fr Friday. No, it's Thursday Th morning for the women's group. Oh, that group, yes, yeah. wonderful. Yeah. The women's group that... Yeah, it's once a month. And the other yes. thing, I, I just want to share this with you. Um, as a child, I lived in New York, and Puerto Ricans were kind of looked down on in New York, especially when I was in a public school for a short while. And it wasn't really until I've been now to Puerto Rico um, four times. And um, each time I've had a really rich experience. And when I really started learning about the culture, the lack of jobs, and um, being in the presence and being in the minority and being surrounded by um, this warm, welcoming people that I met, did I have a whole new spin on how easy it is um, to make assumptions and when you don't really know anything about the reality of that culture. And so I, how we can somehow infuse that experience without having to go, say, to Puerto Rico, where I've been traveling all over the world, and I noticed that with my husband's work, I noticed that each time I go to a country and meet the people, that it, it just puts a different spin on it completely. So I'd love to know how that same feeling could be acquired from being here with people from these other countries by not having to travel and immerse myself. Mm. <coughs> Do you want to answer that? So, uh, I think it's too loud. Um, so I don't know which control control you like. Okay. Turn the other mic off. These are all off, but you can yeah. try this one. My experience has been um, that the more open I am in, in meeting someone where they are and bringing myself, my whole self, to that moment and, and being fully out authentic as much as I can, um, I, I can, I can travel without having to go on a plane. Um, by experiencing that person fully, by listening, the listening, where this person, having the curiosity of who is this person, how this person came here, sharing the Dharma, sometimes not even without, without words, but just by sitting together, sharing together, there's, there's a moment for everything. There's a moment for everything. 
So to be fully pr present to that person, that's what I would say that you can go around the world without going on a plane. No, this is the sound. So I just want to say a couple of things. One is that um, I think that uh, in this whole question of how to be inclusive and how to meet everyone and meet ourselves, uh, one of the things, that, uh, you know, one of the gifts we ha we have is our practice, our mindfulness practice, which is not really meant to, in itself to offer solutions but to make the space where everything can kind of unfold and be met and be seen. And I wouldn't, und I, I, it's tremendous valuable to just to have space, as the man said in the corner that over there, that um, to make space to hold everything and, and, uh, and be respectful and be curious and interested in what's there. And that's how we learn. So I hope that IMC, our community here, can have that as a, a goal, is to be a place where it's safe to come and be yourself and to express what's going on and uh, and find support for it or recognition for it or at least someone who's a, a, a whole a group of people are all kind of willing to practice mindfulness or curiosity or interest. What is this? Rather than, um, you, know, you know, pushing things away or avoiding things or saying that's not acceptable. Something that we hold everybody. And uh, so no matter what background you have, the hope is this place where uh, it's okay to be who you are and you practice as you are in a community of other people who feel safe to be who they are. And uh, that's the hope. And, uh, and hopefully we can do that together. And, um, but I don't, I don't know how well we can do it uh, together unless people come and talk about it or say what's going on um, out in the open. The more we can have things out in the open, uh, then the healthier it is for all of us and to find our way through all these issues. So with that, I think I would like to ask Bruni to say the last words. Everything is included. Everything is included, including the discomfort, including the discomfort of saying, I don't understand, including the discomfort of saying, Are you from? this place or this other place or I'm afraid of saying something wrong or everything is included in the Dharma. So I hope that whatever, whatever words you take with you tonight or whatever comes to you later after you leave that it bear many, many fruits for you. 
in your practice. Thank you. <laughs>